With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Monolith Podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, who used the Infinity Stones to piece back together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ken Lavin, and Thomas Anderson. So what was no, it like? No, but nobody was beheaded, beheaded in the course of this uh, resurrection, you know? Yeah, what was it like being in, like, the Netherrealm? Uh, weird, you know? Just, like, lots of water, a random little gazebo. Some small green, there's a small green child talking to me. I had no idea who she was. I was very confused. That's creepy. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we're happy that you're back. And we'll start things off with promote, extend trade. And 43 years today, uh, ago today was one of the most important dates probably in contemporary American culture. Because Star Wars, the original Star Wars, Episode 4, A New Hope, it was released in theaters. And obviously, since then, there's been like 40 years of continuity written into it and everything. But I'm going to keep things basic. And what force powers would be most useful as a baseball player? What are we going to promote? Oh, Steve, I love this one. This is great. I tried to – I mean, there's a million different things. So I tried to just kind of keep it simple with the most basic powers that are in the movies. Uh So we have force persuasion. We have telepathy. And telekinesis. Hmm. I feel like force persuasion is a sneaky good one for a hitter. Definitely. You could force persuade the opposing pitcher to be like, throw me a fastball or walk me or something. You could tell, you could get, the, the ump would call a strike, you'd turn around and be like, that was not the strike <laughs> you're looking ball. for. Yeah. And like, but couldn't you, know, you do the same as a pitcher? True. You could, yeah. You could convince them just to never swing. Now, who has a higher midichlorian count? Because that determines who wins this this persuasion battle. That's true. If the Empire happens to be a Toydarian, then you're screwed. Uh-huh. Mind tricks don't work on me, only money. <laughs> That's a whole separate issue in baseball. Um... See, I think I think there it becomes debate of like what's the most what's what is does is it illegal, right? Is it illegal to have these force powers? Because if it is, then you're never going to get away with the telekinesis, except in like making minute adjustments, right? Like it's not like you're an outfielder and you can just force pull that ball into your glove from thirty feet away. Everyone's going to be like, "Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> That's not okay." Uh the mind tricks have to be the way to go, right? See, I, I would, I was going to go with the mind trick too, but the fact that 
like we were saying, if, if the Empire or whoever you're trying to use it on has a strong will, then it's kind of useless, and then you're just left without, you know, without your pants. You just how, how many umpires do we think have a strong will, exactly? <sighs> I don't know. Angel Two. Hernandez. Two. That's a good question. Is stubbornness a sign of a... Is stubbornness and general incompetence at your job a sign that you have a strong will? I don't know. It is a good question. Uh, just to play the game correctly, promote the persuasion. Ex- no, no, promote the the telepathy. Extend the persuasion and trade the telekinesis. No force lightning. I can't zap my uh, <laughs> opponents into submission. I'm not allowed to do that. That would probably be a little too flagrant violation of the rules. Lame. I, I'm pretty sure uh, electrocuting other players is not in the rule. So. You can I mean, do it for one season, and then they'd yeah. write it into the rule book the next <laughs> season and be useless. Yeah. If, if hitting a guy with a pitch, if beating a guy is kind of frowned upon, then probably using force lightning to... All right, well, what, what if the guy you're force lightning bat-flipped a home run two innings ago? Could you imagine that's the new, uh, <laughs> All kosher then, right? It's all good. That, that's the new way to uh, um, get revenge or whatever it is to uh, to, to, to get your receipt back on Twitter. <laughs> it's not beating them, it's force lightning them in the box. <laughs> Rod, now, is that better rules. or is the force choke better? Like, what, what's the more demoralizing way to punish someone here? I'm not even sure. Oh, force choke. Yeah. Force, force choke is, choke. it's definitely more subtle. <laughs> Just imagine, like, you have you have your hand in your glove like you're a pitcher, and you're actually doing the force choke. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the batter's, like, choking, and no one knows what's happening, and you're just standing there. Let, let's just hope Madison Bumgarner doesn't get a hold of these powers, because then uh, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> Let's see. I I kept I promoted persuasion because, like we were saying, it's very useful. But if you know they don't have a if they have the strong will, then it's not that great. Mm-hmm. I extended telekinesis because I think that is the most useful because there's just so many ways that you could implement it. You can affect the break of a pitch. You could adjust your launch angle. You could cause errors on the field. You could yank the ball out of the air, like you were saying before. I don't know how legal that would be because that's kind of blatant about it, but. Mm. The other things, you know, you could get away with because people wouldn't necessarily notice. I didn't even and, think about some of those uses. Yeah. like You could, like, totally break all the physics-based models of pitch movement just by, mm-hmm. like, foot... Like, and then some physicist could be sitting there like, man, but something's wrong with my math because this movement shouldn't be possible. <laughs> <laughs> you could throw the rising fastball that actually rises. That's and broken. I traded telepathy because it's useful. Like, you could read, you know, the pitcher's mind. You can know what's coming. But if you have a good teammate or if you're on the Astros or something, you'll know the sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face, so. <laughs> yeah why, do, why do you need telepathy when you have a good old trash can, you know? Yeah. And then some of the powers that have been written into the Star Wars canon since... The original movie would totally break a video game. Uh, would totally break a baseball game. Like what? I'm curious which ones you're you're talking about uh, here. I mean, you have something like battle meditation, where literally just everybody on the team would be linked up, and uh-huh, it would be uh-huh. a perfectly cohesive unit. Bastila was overpowered. 
<laughs> you would have things like Force Storm, you know, like the upgraded version of Force Lightning, where you uh-huh. would really just destroy the entire team. Who? What was the uh, one of the Sith in Kotor two could like literally suck the Force energy out of people? Um, Darth Sion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, like, no, 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 Darth Nihilus. Darth Nihilus. Which one of them? I don't remember which one. Uh, it's been a while since I played that game. Nihilus, because he was the one with the mask and was uh-huh. just basically yeah, yeah, yeah. a creature of the Force. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, him. That'd probably be a little broken. Yeah, I mean, anytime you could just literally kill your opponents, that's <laughs> you know. No murder on the baseball field. <laughs> Got it. No murder on the baseball field. All right. Um, let's head over to Asia now, and we'll do a CPBL KBO update. First, the CPBL, and <laughs> the Unilines went 0-1 this week and had five games get rained out because it's monsoon season. Ah. <laughs> it, it's poetically called the plum rain season there, which is much they, nicer than monsoon season. They don't have a roof? Uh, yeah, I know. It is very weird. It makes me wonder why the stadiums don't have retractable roofs. Uh, the stadium that the Lions play at, which is Tainan Municipal Baseball Stadium, it's old. It was built in 1931, so okay, I could get why they don't. But all the other stadiums are newer, and they're not even exclusively used for baseball. There's other events that they have there, so you'd think that it would make more sense to have stadiums with roofs, but I guess not. Like, I hate roofed stadiums generally, but it makes sense for the Marlins to have one. Right, certain places you just gotta, and it's not like, oh, this is a weird phenomenon, like, monsoon season is every year from June to September or so, so you know that there's gonna be lots of rain when you're gonna be playing baseball, so I don't know, I don't get it, but yeah. whatever. Um, but since our uh, performance is only based on one game last week, uh, the number is gonna be a little weird, so the hitter of the week is Chi Che Su, who went one for six with a homer. So, good job. Uh, he was drafted in 2016. He was the Lions' first-round pick. There was some excitement around him because he was, you know, good, obviously. He was handsome. He was cool. He was going to be, like, the face of their youth movement. And he hit the ground running in his first year. Uh, he hit 333 with nine home runs. He's even better in his second year. He hit 351 with 17 home runs. And he was on pace to be even better in 2018, but he hurt himself. He, I don't want to say comically, but he, he was basically slipped on a ball during, during training before the game. And yeah, he hurt himself. Uh, Perfectly Metzian. Yeah. I mean, that, that was only the start of it because then when he was rehabbing, um, he, he broke his hand, uh, wrist. So that was the major injury, but he wouldn't have been stuck in rehab games if he hadn't slipped there. So, um, he came back in 2019, he was fully healthy, and he hit 282, uh, 361, 541 with the career-high 27 homers, and he added 21 stolen bases for good measure. So everything they said about him uh, pretty much has come to fruition. He's he's a good player. On the pitching side of things, Che Lin was the pitcher of the week. Uh, in his one relief appearance, he allowed a run and one hit. And one strikeout over two innings. And the Lions got crushed in the game they played. It was like 18 to 9. So when a relief, when, when, when a reliever who allowed a run 
in his two innings is the pitcher of the week, you know that that's not good. <laughs> I don't think that's how they wanted that game to go. Yeah, no. no. That, that might be a hot take, but... So he was drafted in 2016, um, not a particularly heralded draft pick. He made his debut 2017. It wasn't particularly good. He had a 6.92 ERA in 26 innings. He was worse in 2018. He was even worse than that in 2019. So he got progressively used less and less. And when he was actually like on the mound, he wasn't particularly good. Um, so he's a, he, he has a high 80s fastball, tops out at like 91. And then he complements that with a changeup on the splitter. So it's basically generic right-handed pitcher. Um, nothing is particularly great about him. That's why he hasn't had much success. And in any other world where you're not limited to one game and an entire week, a guy like that's probably not going to be the best pitcher that showed up. But that's what happens, I guess, during the plum rain season. <laughs> now over to Korea. The Twins had an up and down week. They were three and three. Uh, the hitter of the week was Yun Sung Che. He went 8 for 30 with two homers and six RBI. He's a guy who's basically signed as like a training player, but after a couple of years um, doing that, he did his military service, he changed positions, and he finally got his chance and was promoted from being a training player to an actual player uh, in 2014. He did pretty well. He hit 277, 385, 377, which is solid. Um, you know, he was something, he was a player that nobody was expecting anything from to begin with. So anything, you could, anytime you can get something out of a play like that is pretty good. Uh, he took a step back the next year, but he went back to the basics in 2016. He just focused on basically, you know, hitting and not pressing. And he did pretty well for himself over the course of an entire season. He hit 313, 365, 444. So that's pretty good. He's kind of had an up-and-down career since then, since he broke out and establishing himself. But he's the kind of guy that, you know, he's never been a star necessarily, but he's never been bad enough to lose his spot in the starting lineup either. And he's a fan favorite, so that definitely helps. Um, he's he's known for his glasses. Uh, instead of wearing sports glasses, he wears, like, John Lennon, Harry Potter kind of, like, circular glasses. Oh, and yeah, he does. And he got the nickname the president of elementary school because of it. So, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's incredible. I'm sure you know in in Korean it it maybe comes off a little different, sounds a little better. But... Yeah, it probably translates better. But that's great. So yeah, um, pitcher of the week is a guy who is a little less interesting than that. Uh, Tyler Wilson who allowed two runs over seven innings, allowing four hits, walking one, and striking out six. And he obviously is not Korean. Um, he was actually a senior signing out of the University of Virginia in 2011 that the Orioles took in the 10th round. And show, slowly but surely, he climbed up, up their minor league ladder. Numbers were, you know, solid to average. But because the stuff is kind of underwhelming, he never really generated that much buzz. But he was solid enough, and he was at the right place at the right time in 2015, and the Orioles needed a spot starter, and he was the guy that they called up. He didn't last long because, you know, the, the stuff wasn't really that great. It didn't really fool MLB hitters. So he spent the next couple of years shuffling up and down, uh, majors and minors. He was used as a starter, used as a reliever. In 2017, he finally got released, and instead of taking his chances... 
uh, signing a, a minor league contract with some club with an invitation to go to spring training. He signed with the Twins for $800,000, which is much more of a payday than he would have gotten otherwise. He thrived in Korea. In 2018, he posted a 3.07 ERA in 170 innings. He was brought back for the 2019 season. He's even better. He had a 2.92 ERA in 185 innings. And he was brought back again this season. So, uh, you know, it, it, who knows what his future holds. He's not that old. I think he's 31 this year. So he's a guy, another guy that in theory could come back to the U.S. after a uh, season or two of success over in Korea. <clears throat> and if, and if not, it's, he's very clearly good enough to pitch in Korea. And yeah, I mean, one. I'll take a, basically a million dollar payday every year for playing baseball. In Korea, that's fine by me. For sure. All right, so we are uh, another week in and still no closer to baseball returning than we were in, like, March. Uh, at best, we're going to get some kind of, like, Frankenstein half-season. I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention too much to the proposals. But the best that people have been doing is basically putting on like MLB the show seasons or out of the park simulations. And like, I guess it's fun for those people, but no, I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but nobody really cares about your video game seasons. <laughs> and we do have baseball in Taiwan and Korea and it hasn't really taken off as much as I thought it would from a complete lack of like baseball anywhere else. And it, it's definitely inconvenient. You know, starts are anywhere from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. And I thought that ESPN would be a little more um, liberal in, in airing the games, but it's basically just one game a day during that uh, period of time. I don't know what the negotiations were like but can, can i share my media-based hot take on this sure go ahead i mean honestly it just as someone who like uh i'm gonna i'm gonna basically identify myself as a gigantic loser as someone who who watches a lot of like competitive video games and things like that you you understand all these new media options for for getting your content to people and basketball has seized on this a little bit, unsurprisingly, since they're the most modernized league. And baseball, like, we talk about this all the time with the blackout limits and everything else. Baseball is just so far behind the curve. And you would have hoped that with the quarantine and the fact that they're now broadcasting games from overseas and probably not directly competing with whatever cable deals, they take this chance to say, hmm, maybe we should expand our streaming services make this available to more people i mean screw it make a twitch channel and throw it up there or a youtube channel and there's none of that yeah i i feel like they did a little bit when when everything first started i know they had like the players league with two right i mean with the show and everything i feel like they started going down a at least an entertaining uh, uh direction but that kind of a, I think that a lot of that happened early on when things were were getting really bad here, and like okay, yeah, it's cool that you know uh, Blake Snell is is playing the show, but like five hundred people just died yesterday, so it kind of put the damper on things. And they didn't really seize very much on that. Like once it ended, then it's just like okay, it's over now. 
I, I think there's a misconception that that these platforms are popular just because of the content they provide. Like, okay, Twitch is popular to video game consumers because it's all video games, and I don't think that's true, really. I'm by no means a media expert, but in my opinion, it's much more that these platforms are relative free or or relatively cheap and extremely easy to access anywhere on any device, and that's the main appeal. And the play, and the, the 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 show league they had with the players was good, but but they, it's like they said, all right, well that was just video games. That wouldn't work with actual games. If there was like Korean baseball on Twitch, I'd one hundred percent be watching it constantly. Yeah, I don't like I like I started now. I don't know what the I deal mean the, there was. is Korean baseball on Twitch. <laughs> right. I mean that but is let, let me rephrase that. If if they did I'm a watching better... Drew Gagno pitch right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> But it's it's not it's not like marketed particularly well. Yeah, yeah, true. I would say at all. Like I found out that there was Korean baseball on Twitch through Twitter when someone was like, "It's on Twitch." Like that's where I'm watching it. You know, like like MLB did not really say anything about it because I guess they want the ESPN views. But like, I don't know. Like you you shouldn't have to like go five million. Places to get your information on this stuff because otherwise I'm just not going to be able. They have, to a, they have a freaking giant yeah. social media brand. Exactly. Like, you just just start tweeting out Twitch links. It's not rocket science. Yeah. And I could understand why MLB is not necessarily um, promoting KBO baseball because even though they're not really competitors, they are kind of competitors. But. I mean, like it was saying, ESPN, like they they bought or somehow gained the rights to show some of these games. So, yes, live broadcast is going to be in the middle of the night. That's going to be only really crazy hardcore people are going to be watching that, you know. But there's no real promotion or hype of of anything else. And it's just weird. Like I get the thing is, I get that it's hard for a lot of people to have any kind of vested interest in these teams. You know, they don't really know the teams, they don't really know the players, they don't really know the cities, whatever, so it's easy to have no real connection to them. But you would think that they would, these media giants would try to lean into the things that people do know. So that's actually what I want to talk about this week. Um, you know, why not have some sort of special on SNY about like, okay, Chris Flexen's journey to Korea. Okay, these are historical Mets that have played in these other places. Like, you can produce content and keep people engaged while you're not actually playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so, uh, yeah, plenty of Mets over the years have played in other places. Um, and for me personally, I think that's one of the reasons why I like baseball abroad. You know, right now, Taiwan and Korea, and then hopefully in a, in a little bit, Japan, and a couple of months, Cuba. Um, you know, seeing these different styles of baseball and seeing these different players and different teams and all this kind of new stuff. But obviously, that is that's that is kind of hurdle for other people. So we're going to talk about some former Mets that have played in uh, Korea and Taiwan specifically because there is no... Uh, NPB, which is Japan baseball right now. There have been a couple of guys that have been like associated with the Mets, but that's not their real like 
association, like Pat Mitch, for example. You know, he, he went on to play in Taiwan. He actually threw the first no-hitter in the CPBL, but he was, you know, basically a depth guy for wait, a wait, year wait, or wait, two. wait, 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 wait. You're telling me the trend of Mets pitchers not throwing no-hitters for the Mets, going somewhere else, and yeah. throwing a no-hitter extends internationally. It does. You've got to be shitting me. <laughs> I'm not sure. Let me look up what year that was. What it, the hell? It might be after Johan threw his no-hitter, so... Still, though! <laughs> He'll be redeemed if that is the case, but, yeah. God Let's damn see. it. Mish, he was pitching in the CPBL in 2015. So, yeah, that was a, a, a while after Johan. But still, yeah. All right, so first up this year, obviously, we have Drew Gagneau and Chris Flexen. Um, Gagneau, he's doing okay, and Chris Flexen's actually excelling. Uh, it's only like three games, so there's still plenty of time for things to go wrong, and if they are true Mets, things will go wrong. But Flexen, he's still young. He's turning 26 in a couple of weeks. So he's a guy that could theoretically pitch his way back to the MLB if he has a good showing when everything's said and done. Stuff was always good, and it just always seemed like he was, like, a trick or two away from actually figuring things out here, which he never did. Um, maybe he finally does, though, Doosan. So do you think that well, – what do you think of the odds that he has actually figured it out? It's still early for me. <clears throat> yeah. early um, season. I, I mean, I could see him absolutely dominating – Korea like this for the rest of the year. I don't know if a, a comeback is in the cards though. Like um he doesn't look like all that different of a pitcher. No. Um I will say the curve looks a little sharper and the change up. Um I don't know if he switched grips, but he did something. It looks a lot sharper than it, it had, you know, previously. So maybe he's a little better, but <laughs> Not necessarily MLB better. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. He was always a weird one. Like, it just, the stuff was always there. It, it just, you hate to see guys like that where it's like all of the individual pieces, they look fine and then just can't put it all together for whatever reason. And the fastball, fine fastball from right-handed pitcher. His secondary stuff is good enough. You know, there are guys that get by with worse. But he's just, I don't know, he, he walked a ton of batters. He gave up a ton of hits. There were a lot of homers. It just nothing really clicked for him when he came up. Just too bad. I, I haven't, I haven't actually, I've been following the stat lines. I've not got a chance to actually watch him. Is he still a chonky boy or, uh? He lost um, a little weight, I think. He's, he's still a big man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, in his, in his peak, I would say he was probably like 230, 240. And I know he lost a lot of weight, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, and that was like a big revelation, like, okay, Chris Flexen lost a lot of weight, he's in better shape, he's gonna, he's gonna perform well, and obviously, you know, that didn't really happen, but. Eh. Alright, uh, 2018, and we have the NC Dinos, and they signed Logan Verrett, 
and he wasn't particularly good there, just like he wasn't particularly good here. I, uh, dude, he I had, forgot Logan Verrett totally existed. I, yeah. I totally forgot. He had a 528 ERA in 155 innings, but somehow that did get him a minor league contract with the Oakland A's last year, so I guess that's good enough. I don't know. Um, in 2016, the Doosan Bears signed some guy. I could not... I don't know what the problem was, but it just his name was untranslatable. And whoever this guy was, he turned into a real difference maker for the uh, Bears. He was an all-star. He hit 308 with 24 home runs in his first year there. And then he hit 296 with 27 homers in his second year there. And the Bears won uh, the Korea Series. They made the Korea Series, I should say, both years. And they won it all in 2016. So... Whoever this dude was, he made a he, he made a big difference. In twenty fifteen, wow, you guys did just I don't know. It's Nick Evans. Come on. Oh, oh. God. Oh, <laughs> like I, I was thought you so guys. Were, I was like, because I was waiting. I was Who? like, I was like, Nick Evans was definitely a bear and was really good there. And. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to do something and nothing happened. I was like, do I keep going? Should I move on? Well, apparently we all suck is what I'm, what I'm getting out of this bit. <laughs> We're all stupid. But yeah, he was like, is he, what is he doing now? He retired. Oh, um, he did? Yeah, he doesn't play anymore. So, oh, and, uh, uh, he's a coach, I believe, actually, with a West Coast team. Good for now. I want to say the Diamond, no, he just played for the Diamondbacks. That's why I'm saying that. <clears throat> But yeah, he is. He is in the uh, the Diamondbacks organization. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, there we go. At Um, least in 2019, who knows where he is now? Visalia Rawhide. So I have a legitimate question about Nick Evans, and and I know I have a tendency to to affix on players that that probably aren't actually very good, Uh, and I also. I'm not going to claim that he was going to be a superstar. But why the hell did he never get a longer shot? Like That's the whole joke, really. I know. I know that's the joke. So I'm asking <laughs> why. It doesn't make any – like he hit in the upper levels of the minors. He hit decently in his brief major league appearances. Like dude wasn't going to be an all-star, but he could have been I, a useful bench piece. Yeah, I think he's just one of those guys that it's like it's a dime a dozen, so you don't really – you know, like they're just very uh, expendable, and when they don't get a lot of chances, it's like, oh, oh well. I mean, also remember, Murphy was either a year behind him or a couple of months behind yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Murphy was the better player. It it turns out, obviously. So, you know, when you can't find at bats for your you know twenty fifth guy in the roster, you know, it's like, oh, oh well. I mean, you're telling me on all those terrible Mets. I'm sorry, I say that as if our bench is good now. It's still terrible. All the terrible Met benches over the last decade. We wouldn't have room for a guy who could post league average offense. Yeah, I always thought that was weird too. It's the Mets. They are exceptionally good at gauging their middle <laughs> infield, you know, uh-huh. players. Internal scouting reports accurate. Yeah. Jeff yeah. McNeil, not very good. Brandon Nimmo, not a starter. But hey, whatever. Um, 2015, the Kia Tigers, they signed Josh Stinson. There's a name. 
Oh man, jeez. Um, his name was his his time was not that great. He've had a, a 4.96 ERA in 167 innings. He hasn't pitched since, so that was his swan song, I guess. Uh, same thing happened with Phil Umber. He signed with the Tigers that same year and also wasn't particularly good. He had a 6.75 ERA in 15 and two thirds innings. Um, we'll throw it back even more than Josh Dinson. And in 2009, the Hanwha Eagles signed Victor Diaz. And he was actually solid there. Uh, he had a 266 batting average with 15 homers. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he actually played a few more years. He was in Mexico for a couple of years, and he spent a little bit of time in Japan with the Junichi Dragons. But he never actually... Uh, got any interest uh, to get picked up by a major league team again. Uh, and in Korea, last but not least, is Jae Wong So, who pitched for the Kia Tigers for eight seasons from 2008 to 2015. And he had a 430 ERA in 745 innings. Obviously, So is a special case since he's actually from Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking into it. I couldn't find why he was not interested in playing Korea to begin with, um, after he graduated from college. But whatever the case was, he didn't want to, and he was signed by the Mets in 1998. And he probably would have made it to the majors faster, but he um, had Tommy John surgery basically right after he was signed, I think in 1999. So that obviously slowed him down, and he didn't make his major league debut till 20, uh, excuse me, till 2005. Um, and then, ironically... You know, the Mets traded him because they had a surplus of starting pitching that year in 2006. And that literally is the opposite <laughs> of... <laughs> oh, oh, I make myself sad. Yeah. Again, great internal scouting. Um, so, yeah, he, he was traded in 2006 to Los Angeles, and they traded him to Tampa um, later in that year. And then in 20, in 2007, he signed with the Tigers and he had himself a pretty good career in Korea. And he's actually, uh, the Tigers pitching coach now. He retired in 2015 and he's been doing that since. I didn't even make it out of 2006 with a starting pitching surplus because two of our stars, El Duque and Pedro, who were both 300 years old. Even literally before that, you, you had Brian Bannister who was supposed to be like, Oh, right. A important peg in the rota- spoke in the, in the wheel, and he got injured in like May or June or something. <sighs> and they had that rotating merry-go-round of Alay Solaire, Jeremy Lima, Jeremy Gonzalez, a whole bunch of of nothing. Yeah, it's almost like they needed uh, Jay Wong. So but... yeah, luckily they traded for. John Main either during the season or before the season and he was like a saving grace there but the yeah, only thought... playoff baseball game I've ever seen was pitched by John Main so nice <laughs> but yeah you, just, you can never have too much pitching oh. as the 2006 Mets demonstrated that's how you get game 7 started by Oliver Perez oh no <laughs> hey, he did pretty well for yeah, me. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> that game. So, so, so the Mets are probably like, see, we didn't need him. 
<sighs> we need this to trade for a reliever. Oh, Bad problem. Well, I mean, they did they did get uh, Juaner Sanchez in that trade, so I mean, it, it did work out. But you could argue that the team was good enough that they didn't need Sanchez. I don't know. There's so many different impacts there that that. Yeah. It just who knows? I don't know. Uh, I, anyway. It's one of those frustrating things where the Mets seem to get like a surplus of something finally and then they immediately don't want it and it's it's just like backwards to me. Like just just have the surplus for a little while. It's okay. It's okay to have a little more than you need sometimes. So I clearly get that, but also understand a little bit the idea that hey, we have a surplus here and giant glaring weaknesses sure, sure, elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> So I understand the psychology of it. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like... Not when that going... that team had many glaring weaknesses. Yeah, when you're going into your season, before anything else even happens, and your your starting rotation is Pedro Martinez, who can be a... You know, he, he had a really good 2005 season, but, you know, he was... Is the pitcher and something age. Right, exactly. Uh, Tom Glavin, who's even older... Um. El Duque. Steve, no, he was traded for later on. He oh, right. I'm sorry. Steve, I was like Steve 11. Traxel. <laughs> oh, God. Steve Traxel. Steve Traxel. The human uh, rain delay. I don't know if Bannister was, like, penciled in to start that year or if it just wound up that he did. And then I don't even know who the fifth pitcher was even supposed to be, but, you know. What's a, let, let, me, let me go see if I can find it. Did he start the year? Yeah, was he supposed to be a starter and then got moved? I know that he was a he was a starter in 2005 at the end of the year, but I don't know if they let him. I don't know if they intended on having him start. I know it was a big fight between him and management that he wanted to start and they wanted him to relieve. Yeah, well, so, don't give up a two run homer to Yadier Molina, buddy, and well, then we'll talk. But yeah, I, I don't even know who that rotation was supposed to be, but. When your five-man rotation is not actually filled out, you probably shouldn't be trading starting pitchers in the minors who are okay. Uh, Pelfrey didn't come up till later, right? Yeah, he was – I think 2008 was his debut. I think he was drafted in 2006. I think he pitched in 2006, at least according to Wikipedia. He pitched huh. four starts. Did he really uh, Victor Zambrano, maybe? Oh, yeah, 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 he, yeah. But he only pitched five games and right, was he got hurt. bad. It's God, almost it's... like the Mets have never understood the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> yeah, it says on baseball reference that the fifth, the guy who had the fifth most starts is Maine. Yeah. This was not a good – who looks at this depth chart and says, yeah, we have enough starters? Omar Manaya. <laughs> yeah. Dean <laughs> Churchill had a five ERA. Ollie yes, made did. seven starts that season and had a six point three eight ERA. And he had to pitch game seven of the God. of the NLCS. He was like good. Threw it up in spring. Yeah, right? But Victor Zambrano had five bad starts. Now in fairness, ERAs were higher in two thousand six. Sure. But, but still. Five isn't good anywhere. Tom Glavin led the rotation with a three eight. That's and, and that was pitch. like a one fourteen ERA plus. Like he was good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he was above average. 
not a good year. <sighs> Somehow a good year, but this rotation had no right to make this a good year. Turns out when you have uh, Carlos Beltran, David Wright, Jose Reyes, young Jose Reyes, and uh, Carlos Delgado all hitting in a row. All the yep. having a good year. Jose Valentin having a good year out of nowhere. The yeah. only the only below 100 OPS plus in the starting lineup was Cliff Floyd. Oh, poor Cliff. Yeah, he had an 88. Even Andy Chavez had a 101. <laughs> Jose Valentin had a 109 OPS plus. Jeez, just yeah, ridiculous. David Wright had a 133 OPS plus and was second. <laughs> on, Beltron, in the yeah, it's a Beltron, 150. Well, when you hit 41 home runs, that'll do it. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Well, those are better times. Um, although we do have Pete Alonso now hitting lots of home runs, so that's good. Yeah, the offense is fun now. Yep. Um, all right, so that is pretty much everybody from Korea. And we'll go over to Taiwan now and... Much smaller crop of people. Two notable guys, basically. Nelson Figueroa and Mickey Calloway. Uh, Figueroa had two stints in, in Taiwan. One in 2007, and then he had a second stint in 2013 and 14. Both times he was pitching with the Unilions. And combined, he had a 308 ERA in 277 and one-third innings. And those are pretty good years for the team because they won the championship in 2007 and in 2013. So Figgy got a ring, at least, so that's good for him. And then Mickey Calloway, he played for the Hyundai Unicorns in the KBO from 2005 to 2007. They don't exist anymore. Sadly. And, yeah, and then he went to go play for the Unilions in 2009, so he was a teammate. Um... Well, not a teammate, a contemporary, I should say, with Figueroa. And he was a two-time All-Star in Korea. He had a 367 ERA in 419 and two-thirds innings. So too bad he couldn't literally get just one more out to get to 420, but oh well. And it was actually, it's also a 367 ERA. So maybe one fewer run and one extra out, and he would have a 369 ERA in 420 innings. That would be pretty good. Nice. Yep. But uh, he was much better in Korea than he was in Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan, he was just okay. Uh, he had a 318 ERA in 56 and two-thirds innings, which is, you know, fine, but wasn't all-star level like it was in Korea. And then right after that, in 2010, he got hired by Cleveland. So he became a pitching coach in their organization and ended his playing career. But he and had, then what uh, happened? Right, well... We don't talk about things after that. But yeah, he, he, uh, the, the far fewer Mets in Taiwan than in Korea. But that kind of makes sense because the CPBL is really a very low level of baseball as compared to the MLB. So you're really only going to have, especially like 10 years ago or so, but you, you're only going to really have like the most, I don't want to say desperate, but guys who really, really, really want to, Keep their, their career going, yeah. Um, you know, Korea, the KBO is, is a higher level of baseball, so there's more guys that are willing to go there. The payout is better. And we didn't talk about uh, Japan because their season is still 
on hiatus like the MLB here, but you're going to find the most amount of players that have gone, you know, from from the Mets organization have gone on to play in in Japan because that is the highest level of competition outside of the MLB here. So, and commensurate, you know, payouts and everything like that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if people knowing that you know Mickey Callaway threw a knuckleball in Taiwan will entice people to be more interested in, in paying attention, but I don't know, help for everybody's sake it, it does. I think that more international baseball uh, leagues having, you know, interest, it, it's a good thing. And then obviously people, you know, it's it's an escape. So having fun and rooting and watching, however, you know, other teams is always a good thing too. So it's a mutually beneficial for everybody to just play ball and watch baseball. More knuckleballs. Of course. Yes. Make baseball weird again. Completely agree. All right. Um, so if anyone has any questions or comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complexqueens at gmail.com. And I will acknowledge that we received an email, but it is we'll, we'll address it next week because it's going to be more relevant to our topic next week. So don't worry. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get a podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.